Peter, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading tonight is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And you... Who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening. Tonight we're going to be continuing on in our series pattern as we are walking through the Lord's Prayer together. So if you've been with us in previous weeks, you know we've gone through week by week, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's what we looked at last week. And tonight we come to the next line that says, and forgive us our debts, even as we forgive our debtors. And depending on what translation you memorized it in, maybe growing up you memorized it as trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or maybe it's our sins, you know, just calling it what it is. The different words, all getting around the same idea. God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And so we've seen God as a holy father, a good king. He cares about our daily physical needs. But tonight, in verse 12... There is such good news wrapped up in this particular portion of the Lord's Prayer. You see, this verse in the prayer, the underlying premise is that we are those who need to ask for forgiveness. That we are those who have done wrong. That we have been found out. And there are some times where it's more abundantly clear than at others, right? So there, I, I still remember, like, there's nothing like the freedom of getting your driver's license and being let loose on the open road for the first time. Y'all remember what that feeling was like? Oh my goodness, yes, you get that. It like, and so it was one of those things, like growing up, I was always at the mercy of like my mom or my dad's like desire to take me somewhere or how far I could walk or bike, right? Like, you know, if I wanted to be able to go over here to the movies with my friends, but my parents were doing something else, it was like, well, uh, that gets trumped. Like, I can't, I can't go over here or do this or that. But, like, when I get the license, and I, I remember still sitting in the church parking lot when my parents dropped me off at the car, and I was like, I can go anywhere. Like, I can do anything. And then it was just like equal parts excitement and dread. It's like, nobody would know where I am. Like, you know, this was before, like, find my friends on iPhone and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, gosh, I mean, this is exciting. This is scary. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? But, like, I got adjusted real quick. And so it was one day, like, I was one of the older in my grade. And so I was, like, one of the first ones to have a car. And so, like, I was exercising that freedom. And I was like, yeah, suckers. Like, you know, going, driving down the road. And so, like, I was out after school one day. And I was getting ready to go to work. And, you know, all of my friends, they were still riding home with mom and dad. And I was, like, with my V8. And we were going down the road. And so I was like flooring it, going around somebody to be able to get to work. I wasn't really running late, but I was acting like I was, you know. 
And then all of a sudden, whoop, whoop. I see the little red and blue lights up in the rearview mirror. Two weeks after getting my license, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, you just, your heart sinks into your stomach. You're like, oh, my gosh. I go over here. Then all my other friends are, you know, leaning out the passenger side of their mom's minivans, waving at me, you know, turning it around and being like, hi, look at Blake. I'm here. He's over there. Getting it. But I was like, oh, of course I'd get a ticket within the first two weeks. But the thing about it wasn't, it wasn't even the Irondale City. It's like I was over here in Irondale. Like, it wasn't even an Irondale City police officer. It was the school resource officer. Like, it was the D.A.R.E. guy. Like, drug abuse resistance education. I don't know if they still had that when you guys were rolling up through. But, like, the D.A.R.E. guy, he pulled me over. And they can write tickets. And so, who knew? Like, I, but I got a ticket from the D.A.R.E. resource officer. And, of course, I go over to Irondale Municipal Court. I stand up there between my mom and my dad and the judge. Like, it was like a conveyor belt of justice. Like people just going through and pleading guilty or not guilty and then getting subsequent dates. And so I go over there and I'm just like shaking in my boots. And he's like, how do you plead guilty? You know, you know. Like we're revealed. Like there are moments where you just feel caught, right? Where you feel exposed, where you feel vulnerable, where like everybody in the room knows exactly what you did. I and mean, there's a lot that gets exposed in the courtroom. And I know that was kind of like a relatively mild, maybe even kind of funny thing that happened but like it's it's not like the courtroom scenes that captivate us on tv is it you know like where evidence is presented where you have people that are contesting facts giving different accounts badgering the witnesses objection you know like different things like that that draw us in that we want to be able to see what happens next because things get revealed in the light of the courtroom swift justice hopefully if a crime is committed, pronounced verdict, punishment's doled out. But you see, in this verse of the Lord's Prayer, God's Word shows us that there is a way out of the exposure, of the vulnerability, of being in the light that we all feel at one point or another. And the way out is forgiveness. And I realize where we're located right here. Uh, I mean, I bless the Lord. We got a lot of folks from out of state, from our different schools that are represented here. Sanford, UAB, Birmingham Southern, Jeff State, Miles. My, Jeff, uh, like, we, we just got people from all over that are coming as a, like, from out of state here into Birmingham. But like, if you grew up in like, the Southern Fried Christian South, like, or if you were in church over and over again, you hear me say something to the effect of like, you can be forgiven and it's just white noise. Been there, done that, heard that before. Ten millionth sermon that I've heard. Or maybe you're hearing something like this for the first time and you're like, forgive me, what, what does that even look like? Between this God that y'all have been singing to, this God that you've been praying to, this God that you've been confessing sin to, what does this forgiveness even begin to look like? As we go through and as we look, there is a passage in Colossians 2 that Ben read so beautifully for us just a moment ago that helps bring razor-sharp clarity to this portion of the Lord's Prayer. And it doesn't pull any punches about who we are. But it also doesn't pull any punches about who God is in dealing with us. So we'll go over here in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. The first thing that we can see about all of us universally is that we are dead. Look at the beginning of this passage with me. You, Paul, so Paul the Apostle is writing this to the church at Colossae, and he is writing that you, and that, that's not a singular you. Sometimes it, it gets lost in translation for us a little bit. I had a professor at Sanford 
who, I mean, a lot of you maybe have had Dr. Todd, but one of those things coming through with Dr. Todd, he said that a lot of times people don't take advantage of the South's greatest gift to the English language, and that's the word y'all, right? It's one of those things, it's so much more precise, and people try to make it sound like it's dumb, but no, like it's, it's ambiguous if it's just the word you, but what Paul is getting at right here is he is actually saying you all, he's addressing the entire church, it's all inclusive, no one escapes that, that all y'all who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, we are dead. I told you he didn't pull any punches. But dad, really, Paul? I mean, like, I don't know if you realize this, but like, I, I've been walking around today. I probably failed a test earlier. Like, I mean, it, it's one of those things. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm breathing here, and right now, I got to Oxano tonight. Like, dad, really, dad? Like, Paul, what did you talk about? But Paul would reply, yes, dead. And he would be hearkening back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, when God was with man and woman, with Adam and Eve in the garden, and he told him, hey, you got pick of the entire garden. You can eat of anything that is here. But just of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of this, for surely the day that you eat of it, you will die. Well, the serpent comes, tempts Adam and Eve. What happens? They take of the fruit of the tree, they eat it, their eyes are opened. The Lord comes to them and, did they die that day? Well, no. I mean, they're still walking around. They're still breathing. They're conversing with God. I mean, they're ultimately cast out of the garden. So, I mean, there's not a death. But is God a liar? No. But maybe there wasn't a physical death that day, but there was a spiritual death that was going on there at the very beginning of our history together. And this is what Paul, the same apostle, would write elsewhere in Romans chapter 5. He says this in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. You see, it is the assumption of Scripture that all of us, men and women like Adam, that we have sinned. Adam is our representative before God. He broke the covenant. He broke the agreement that we were in with God, and that we all now are born in sin and choose sin. We are walking around physically alive, but spiritually we are dead inside. That we are corpses spiritually, lifeless, non-responsive, senseless, stiff, cold, reeking, and empty. We are dead apart from God in our transgressions, in our sins, in the things that we have done, and in the things that we have left undone. And even the good things that we do with the wrong motive. And trying to earn good standing before whatever pick your own deity It's in defying God's command and in serving ourselves, we are dead and racking up debt. But can this really be all that there is? You see, if I were to stop right here, it would be one of the the most buzzkill sermons or talks or anything that anybody has ever gathered together in any sort of assembly to be able to hear. But thanks be to God that this is not all there is. That was only half the news because there is more, more to make what I just said good news, more that makes all this before gospel good news because this is the gospel. God makes what is dead alive again. God is in the business of resurrection. Of making that which was dead alive again. We continue on in verse 13 where he says you, again you all, you who were dead in your trespasses 
And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you who were stuck in your old dead-end, sin-filled ways of living, incapable of responding to God, God made alive together with him. That God made alive. In this text, we are exposed as being dead, but God is also exposed. And when God is exposed, we see his justice and his love together. We see that God makes us alive, that we are not left in the sin-filled predicament that we find ourselves in. We're not left to figure it out. We're not left to work it out. We're not left to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. This is good news, but we still have questions, don't we? I mean, it sounds too good to be true. Like, truly, if we say that like, we have sinned against the holy and righteous God, but that He just forgives us, how on earth can this be? How can we be made alive? You see, Paul right here in these verses, he does something masterful. I mean, he is layering beauty upon beauty for us, glory upon glory in these verses. And as it builds on itself, it brings us to greater clarity. It's like when you go to the eye doctor. If you go there, like obviously I do, like you got to be able to see, right? And so like if you go to the eye doctor, maybe you went to your last eye doctor appointment. If you haven't, I'm going to just like step in here for your mom and dad and be like, you need to go to the eye doctor, okay? So be able to be, see, that's probably why you have headaches. Like being able to go get your eyes checked out and you're going and you're like, you have to put your like chin on that awkward little like hard cold thing, right? And you're like leaning forward and you have awful posture. And so they put this like giant torture device looking thing over on top of your face, right? That has all these like big numbers and dials and all this kind of stuff. It's like, can you like see into my brain? Like it's, as they're going through and what does the eye doctor do? What does he do? He said one or two, one or two. What does she say next? Three or four, three or four, five, six. And I'm like, oh my gosh, which one was better? Like, I don't know. Like, it's so much pressure right here in this moment. You know what I'm feeling? It's like when you're at the oil change place and they like, get you to do the blinkers and the windshield wipers, all that brake tap. And I'm like, I can do this in the moment. But like, when you tell me to do it right here, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I just feel exposed right here in this oil change place or in this ophthalmologist office. But like, I'm going through one, two, three, four, five, six, but you get to the end, hopefully so that you arrive at greater clarity and you're able to see things which you did not see before. That's what Paul is doing right here in these verses is he is drawing us and he's saying this is how God makes us alive again. This is the process by which he does it and we see something similar going on right here. He starts out by saying that God forgives. That God forgives by forgiving all our trespasses. You see, we are forgiven of the very thing that made us dead in the first place, our trespasses. Where we went over the line, where we went too far, where we disobeyed his word, where we brought shame to his name. That we are forgiven of that. And we're not just forgiven of some trespasses. But what does the verse say? That we are forgiven of all. If you're the kind of person that likes to mark up your Bible to underline and highlight, go ahead and underline or circle that word all. God's forgiveness is not on the installment plan. That Jesus at the cross didn't just pay for some of your sins or only up until a certain point, And then you got to come and you got to fill up and you got to do, re- do the rest. you got to fulfill your part of the bargain. No, he came and he paid for it all. It's done. It's what he said on the cross where it is finished. That forgiving us all our trespasses. Forgiveness is possible. So when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive the, our debtors. We pray this in confidence, not, you know, biting our fingers or not like wringling our hands, trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to pray this, but like, I mean, is he going to do it this time? Is he going to forgive me? 
You cannot outsend the Lord's mercy. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He will forgive. But what is the nature of this forgiveness? Because you see that a lot of times we think of like forgiveness as like, okay, well, hey, that, you know, that's water under the bridge. Or, you know, we'll just sweep that up under the rug or something like that. But that's not, that's cheap forgiveness. It's not like our southern way of politely dismissing something. Like forgiveness, it's not cheap. Forgiveness, true forgiveness is always costly. I love the way that Tim Keller, a Presbyterian pastor in New York City, this is the way that he says, I think he gets it right. God's grace and forgiveness, while free to the recipient, are always costly for the giver. From the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. No one who is seriously wrong can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means that you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness, then, is costly. God forgiving us, he absorbs the loss, he absorbs the debt, he absorbs it himself. But how? We continue on in the beginning of verse 14. Forgiving all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. We are forgiven by a canceling. In short, it no longer applies to you. So it's kind of like, a, you know, for our undergrad folks in here, or maybe some of our grad students, like, you know, when you roll up to class or when you get that blessed email in your inbox, right, of that day, and it says, class is canceled, right? Maybe you got the email before you hopped in the car and you went over there and got to campus and everything like that, or you hopped on the Zoom room or whatever you had to do these days. But, like, you get, the, if, you got, if you actually had to get to class, you're like, gosh, I already walked here. I had to park. I had to ride the bus to get here. All this, that, and the other. But, like, when class is canceled for you that day, that means that you are no longer responsible for being there within that time frame. Like, that day's class no longer applies to you. You see, there's greater clarity now. We are forgiven of our trespasses. Forgiveness is the canceling of a tremendous debt that it no longer applies to you. And you see, where there's a debt involved, that usually means that at least two parties are involved, the lender and the debtor, right? And like, I'm not going to have to explain it. Like, a lot of you are living this right now, right? Where you are in the midst of student loans, or you are thinking about all the student loans that you're going to have someday, or you're looking back and being like, oh my gosh, why didn't regret cost so much? Like, you're, you are feeling the debt that somebody, maybe the government gave you this money so that you could go to school, and now you are responsible for paying it back in kind. And this record of debt though as much as that other kind of debt can feel oppressive and crushing that this record of debt detailing out our trespasses and on and non-actions it's hostile to us look in verse 14 the record of debt that stood against us some translations would say the record of debt that opposed us or the record of debt that was hostile to us it's a picture of a courtroom setting and like that we are put forward in the dock and someone is coming over and accusing and unrolling the record of debt of everything that we have done or not done that we should have done and it is standing against us and it is badgering us it's badgering the witness this debt stands against us exposing us it condemns us but wherever there was the stroke of the pen detailing our debt, now there is the strike of the gavel trumpeting our guilt. There is a debt, but thanks be to God that the debt, it's forgiven. The debt 
It is canceled. Like, just think if someone were to come up to you and be like, all your student loans no longer apply to you. Maybe the, the mortgage that you just started off with your family no longer applies to you. Maybe this car accident that you were in, the bills that you have, this no longer applies to you. And just the freedom that you would feel in that moment to know that you no longer have that over your head being held over you that you are having to be subservient to, that if that is any small indication of the freedom that you can feel, know this, that because of the finished work of Jesus, that the debt that stood against you, that wasn't just neutral, that wasn't just bad news, but the one that was badgering you, that was coming at you, that Jesus has dealt with it and that now you can be free that this debt that we have the sins that come up even more like we're like but even that like God you can't possibly be talking about that Maybe it was something from years ago. Maybe it was something from last semester. Maybe it was something before you even came here tonight. Like, God, I hear what that guy up there is saying, but like, it, it just can't be that. Even that. You are not more gracious than God. When God, in coming to you, Ready to forgive. There is not too much for him to forgive. Because you see, there's only one ground. It's, it's not water under the bridge. It's not swept up under the rug. These charges weren't dropped, but they were transferred. It was canceled. It no longer applies to you. But all true forgiveness is costly. And God bears it himself. And we pick it up in the next portion of the verse. That he makes us alive by nailing it to the cross. That this record of debt that was unrolled and hostile to us, God set this aside, removing it from us. And this he actually nailed to the cross. The picture, it comes into full focus now. That we now, who were, we who were once dead because of trespasses, God has made alive by forgiving those trespasses. He forgives us by canceling the record of debt, removing it from us, and not just putting it under the rug or saying that it's over here, but he actually takes it on himself. That Jesus, the debt was transferred to him at the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, God's son, he has taken on our sin, our debt that we could not pay. And out of love for us, Jesus paid our debt so that we could be free again. This is glorious freedom for those who will receive it. This is glorious freedom that we no longer have to be slaves to our past or the things that we've done. I love the way uh, the ancient church father, John Chrysostom, the way he writes, he said, he, Jesus, did not erase the record of debt, but tore it to pieces there at the cross. I love the way Corey Ten Boom, the Holocaust survivor from the 20th century, the way that she said that Jesus forgives our sins and he removes them so far from us, it's as if they're at the bottom of the ocean and God puts up a sign that says, no fishing. 
that a lot of times we try to dredge these things back up or the accuser sometimes will come to us and will pull these and put them back in front of us time and again, try to remind us where we were. And yes, it's true that we were once dead as a doornail in our sin, but because of Christ, our sins are dead as a cross nail, that our debt is paid in full, that Jesus truly paid it all. And all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That there is no one who can stand against you. There is no one who can bring any charge against you. Yes, there will be times where you feel the full weight of your sin, where it will attempt to crush you, things that you've done in the past, or there will be things in the future where you will fall back into sin. And that's why we have tried to be able to give you some words, not words that we've come up with, but words from Scripture so that you can go to in times of trouble. So that you can go to, because this is the thing, when you inevitably trip up, fall back into sin, whether it's a one-time occurrence or in a pattern again, what the enemy would love for you to do is to go and hide in shame. But what the Lord would love for you to do is to come and to bring it to Him. The enemy wants you to run and to hide But God is calling you out, not to slap you on the wrist, but to bring you back. That's what happened with God in the Garden of of Eden with Adam and Eve, right? After they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid themselves. They sewed fig leaves together, trying to cover their shame. And God, as he comes down, he starts walking in the garden. He says, where are you? The omnipotent, omniscient God of the universe. He knew where they were. He wasn't trying to find out information. He was trying to draw them out. And in those times of sin that you inevitably find yourselves in, what are you going to do? Are you going to run in shame and hide and try to cover yourself? Or are you going to run to God who has already dealt with all of your sin? Are you going to be able to pray, forgive me. Forgive me my trespasses. He is standing ready to forgive. If you've repented and believed in Jesus, if you continue to repent and believe in Jesus, trust the fact that if God says you are not guilty, you are not guilty. If God says that you do not bring shame upon his name, trust that you do not bring shame upon his name. That once this debt has been cleared, then it's no longer like we just get to go live it up and live however we want to. That, that, like, you had massive amounts of credit card debt, someone comes along, pays it all off, and then the first thing you do is you go back out and you just accumulate everything that you had before. But no, you now have a new way that you can live. You now have a new freedom that you can experience. You now have the capability to love and serve the one who paid the debt, and the ones who are around need to know about the one who can deal with the problem. Because you see, the devil, when he comes, he'll try to remind you of your screw-ups. He'll try to accuse you. He'll try to lie. But we can say, we can look at the cross with me. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord. Forgiveness is available. Freedom is available. Is possible. So now when we pray, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, we pray knowing that forgiveness is ours in Jesus, completely and finally in Jesus. Have you received the forgiveness of the Lord? 
Like truly. Maybe you've been in and around the church game for a while. Maybe no one has ever actually asked you your story. Maybe some other people have just assumed because of where you go to school or the crew that you run with. But have you truly experienced the forgiveness that we're talking about and the forgiveness that has been made available to you because of Jesus? Or maybe you're here tonight and you know this freedom, but we are often prone to wander and prone to forget what has been achieved for us. And you need to be reminded of who you are and whose you are and what he has done to address your greatest need. Maybe sometimes our views of God can become warped and distorted because the enemy is he's the father of lies and he wants to paint false pictures of God. And you think God is just a disappointed father just up there looking down, shaking his head, wondering when you're going to screw up next. Just keeping tabs on all of the wrong that you've done, counting up every last one of them. It reminds me of a story that I heard. It was a little boy who loved to count. He counted everything. Like he counted socks in his drawer, counted peas on his plate, like cars on the road. He counted everything. And so one day, like he was you know, sitting in his bedroom and he was talking with his dad before bedtime. And he said, Dad, does God count? And the father, I mean, he wasn't phased. I mean, these were pretty typical questions for this particular little guy. So he's like, well, yeah, son, God does count. The Lord of all creation can count. <laughs> well, the little boy's like, well, well, what does he count? Well, the father looks at his son in tenderness. He said, well, Scripture actually says this, that the Lord counts every hair on your head. That's how much he cares for you. Every hair? The son said, yes, every hair, the father said. Well, what else does he count? Well, the psalmist would actually say, son, that the Lord, every time that we're hurt, every time that we're angry, every time that we've been sinned against and we cry, it says the Lord counts all of our tears. He keeps them in a bottle. Every tear, every tear, son. Well, Dad, is there anything that God doesn't count? And the father at this point takes his son up from his bed, holds him by the hand, walks down the hallway in their house to the living room where he points to the empty cross. And where he says, there was a day when the Son of God died. And it was on that day that God the Father gathered up all of the sins of the whole world. And they, Jesus took them on himself. And it was there on that day that God stopped counting our sins. And that scripture says, so far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That God, he no longer counts our sins. This is the forgiveness that is available to you. This is the freedom that you can have access to. And some of you here tonight, you need to talk with someone about this. 
I'm available to talk afterwards. Any of our team's available to talk after. Maybe someone that you came with. Maybe a roommate you know that follows Jesus. Maybe it's calling a parent yet again. Like being able to talk with someone. But you are not going to be able to shake this. That there is freedom. That there is forgiveness available for you. That you can pray. Father, forgive me my sin. And he will answer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And as we gaze more and more into that which you have achieved and given to us. God, would you make it easier and easier for us to forgive all of the lesser things that are happening all around us. Father, we, we need you and we thank you for working so great a salvation for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano Podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.